Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by Betsperts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. Yes. Last one. Let's do it. 16 of 16. 31 of 32 if you're listening to these broken up which i think is probably a better way to consume them ultimately um so the the night yeah the the nightmare and it's not like it's not like this affected me personally or like i didn't sleep that night but the nightmare scenario was doing the colts you know preview five years ago and then andrew luck retiring like two (laughs) days later so we we went one and one on that you know we we pre-recorded the cardinals thing and then they kind of went weird with the quarterback situation. That said, maybe I call that a push instead of a loss. Like, it's not like our outlook for the Cardinals drastically changed. If I think start. we even talked that through. Didn't yeah, we? We said, it doesn't matter who starts. It's, no, no, we were basically like, what if, jo- like, is there a chance Dobbs goes week one? And like, we didn't know Cole McCoy was going to get cut, but we definitely talked about. We don't really know who the starter is going to be till Murray comes. Yeah, back. it was, it was, uh, it was messy, but. We also did get, um, we saved the Niners one long enough for the, I mean, it was a party, but the, the, the Trey Lance trade happened. So, um, yeah. and then real and, quick too, and I, I do yeah. got to give a shout out to the guys. And I said, I'd do this because I'm also going to be live drafting in a super flex league while we do this. So shout out to league sync and draft hero four for four products. Cause that's the, otherwise I'd be super fucked and doing fantasy drafts in general, but it's super nice. And there's even an Andy promo code. If you want any of those fantasy football products, it's going to be in the show notes. I think it's just Andy 10 and I think it's 10% off anything. So awesome. uh, I'll let you take it. I'm up. I'm on the clock right now. So you need to talk. Well, uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, getting ahead of the Trey Lance or, you know, waiting, waiting out the Trey Lance trade. We're recording the Seattle Seahawks now. This is the Seahawks podcast. We're going to do the Niners next. That puts a bow on the team previews. And um, I mean, we are probably only at risk of getting caught by a surprise Nick Bosa trade. Uh, I don't have any inside scoop on that. I think that's just some nonsense info accounts who are floating, at, you know, floating stuff that they have no idea what's going on. I think Nick Bosa almost certainly plays for the Niners this year. Um but uh yeah let's talk uh let's talk seahawks which were i had a kind of a weird feeling reliving the 2022 seahawks campaign and i have a weird vibe about this team too because through three weeks last year the seahawks proved that they were much better than their preseason rank market ranking much better defense offense both were substantially um you know more competitive than expected and uh, i would say the reason for that is they had a lot of draft capital and they hit on every single guy which is rare especially in recent seahawks history they have had a very tough time identifying elite talent in the draft um and 
that's especially apparent because we know if there's one thing that you can count on Pete Carroll to do well, it is to develop his young guys. He loves to get in there and be a teacher and be a mentor and be a, uh, you know, that's his leadership style is like, let's get these young guys in, let's coach them up, let's get them excited to play, let's get them to leave their you know, leave it all on the field. And, uh, you know, they went through a long stretch where they just were not getting, um, you know, players that could contribute until last year where everybody they grabbed, including the swings they took on Gino, they hit out of the park. And so midseason-ish last year, it was like, wow, this team is a bet on. The market still doesn't believe in them. And I made some of my most sincerely held belief bets on the Seahawks through the middle of the season. And they came through for me a bunch. And before even doing that, I remember being like, God, man, Niners were kind of playing a little, not as good as we thought they were going to be. The Rams looked like they were about to drive off a cliff. The uh, Cardinals were a shit show to start the season. And so it's like, wait, why is Seahawks 40 to one to win the NFC West? Like these guys are live. Like I definitely got on board even to that degree with the long shot prices to win the West. And, uh, and then it became a little bit of trying to, you know, wishful thinking that they actually could do that because guess what? Uh, they struggled uh, in the little, two yeah, games the, against the Niners. <laughs> so big, Yeah, and a big part of what we talked about in the previews, I remember, I, I distinctly remember talking about how their defense played in 21. And it was this, you know, no doubles kind of defense where they weren't going to let you get over the top and have big plays but you could basically have anything else you wanted all the time. And it, you know, it's, it, it, it slows it down. Like it, it avoids some of these huge plays, mm -hmm. but they're bad defense yeah. things up a little. They found some nice pieces in the draft, but it still wasn't a good defense. It was just different. And it took a little longer for some other teams to figure out, Oh, this is still very beatable in certain ways. They can't stop the run. Yeah. They're still very young in a lot of these secondary the defense and Gino took some steps back in the second half of the season. Yeah, and in injuries were involved in. Yeah, and, well and obviously, uh, the, yeah, the protection, the injuries as well. The protect, protection devolved. The defense, since you know they missed, they missed a couple of bodies. Basically, the trenches started to you started to see cracks in the trenches. And again, because they were so poor at drafting in the years prior to last year's draft, they had no depth, none. And so the guys they were backfilling with stunk. Um, I would say this: the um, the you know, the, the, the dream of NFC West was over before Christmas. <clears throat> they lose on the 15th on that Thursday night game. That was the Pico top in terms of price on the Niners. I mean, on the, uh, on the Seahawks as they went into that game at home against the Niners and they were something like got that to like three, I think. Um, and so then you're like, Oh man, are they going to play their way out of the playoffs? The NFC is so weak. They got to get a wild card spot. Well, they did. Uh, and uh, I dumped a bunch of money on them in the wild card round uh, against the Niners where they were catching like nine and a half, ten points. And I was like, come on, Brock Purdy's first playoff game, he's really going to give you a double-digit cover? Okay. Well, he did. Uh, and it was all in the second half. And that game got away from <laughs> yeah, them that, real, that was, real quick. <laughs> I went back and looked at, you know, I go back and look at box scores every time for all these previews, but I really had to go back and look at all the playoff games that were you know, between the two teams we're going to talk about today. Mm -hmm. And that was a, that was a 23, 17 game with two thirty one left in the third. Yep. Seattle down by six in the red zone. Yeah. The cover just, was right there for the taking. 
I mean, not it all. It they, all fell apart. They, they, they were looking like they had a good chance at winning that game. I Strip sack, lose the ball. Win. I mean, it, 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 it was competitive. But yeah, strip sack, lose the ball that you had in the red zone going for the at the lead at that point. And honestly, it was one-way traffic after that. The late, the late touchdown was just window dressing. That was kind of rough uh, to kind of see that final score and think, like, I remember some good parts of that game. Was it really this bad? And, yeah, it's a, it was kind of a downer to end the season. But overall, like, if you told me from where we started last season with a 5.5 as your win total, and, hey, we're having a quarterback competition that involves Drew mm-hmm. Locke in it. If you told me that's where you started and you ended up in the in the playoffs, uh, you know, you had a defensive – yeah, you had the runner-up and offensive rookie of the year. You had a defensive rookie of the year that I think you finished second or third. You had a really yeah. good draft. Two you, excellent you tackles up, as rookies. You, you Yeah, you essentially, you know, found your starting tackle tandem for hopefully a long time at this point. You You ended up – you know, how uh, was you? You ended up finding some cornerbacks that are, at, you know, at least at worst case, at depth guys for you know a decent part of their rookie contracts. You found a couple good corners. Uh, you beat Denver. You, you went and beat Russ like that. Just taking the, most of the people at the beginning of the season. If you're a Seahawks fan, they would have just been like, yeah, "Hey, what if you, what if what if you're one in sixteen, but you beat Russell Wilson?" Like, yeah, honestly, I'll take that. We'll take it. So it was, it was, and, and a piece you traded for, obviously not this year, but uh, Jamal Adams basically didn't play. Yeah. Like he was out second quarter right off the bat, torn. To, like that guy's probably not playing week one this year at this point, the way it's looking. So, I mean, you, you lost an important defensive piece right off the bat. You had a lot of youth. They wrote them off. They ain't right back though, Drew. So overall, <laughs> like su- successful season. And I, I guess, I mean, when you looked at that 5.5 and asked me how I know what it was, I bet the other side of it, Pete Carroll, I mean, he just, it's not quite to the level of the Mike Tomlin stuff, but the guy just doesn't have bad, bad seasons. He yeah. finds a way to, to get the most out of, like you said, young defenders. They, seemingly just want to draft running backs constantly but all of them turn out at least decent and then you know getting what you got out of Gino obviously was a massive boon yeah um so here's the conundrum Andy this team surprised to the good last year on the basis of a bunch of young talent that's on cost-controlled contracts they bring back Gino Smith they aug and and oh by the way they had two Decent draft choices, two in the top 20, including one in the top six, right? So once we get an idea of what else is going on in the NFC West, i.e. two teams that might truly stink out loud, and the third team in your division is figuring out what they're doing at the quarterback position and may start a guy that had elbow surgery six months ago, Um and you have all this draft equity. The question in you know April, May, when prices started dropping for NFC West was, what you know these guys should be the bet, right? Like they're just going to get better in the draft. All the guys they drafted and developed last year are going to be a year better. They got they're bringing Geno back. They're going to have more weapons to work with. Everybody, there's questions everywhere else in the division. So I don't really know why I'm not excited about these guys this year, but I'm really kind of not. 
Is it? Is, I, I think, are you there? I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit there too, and I'm trying to talk myself out of it. But yeah, they, I, I think the the devil's advocate is obviously what we saw in the second half of the season from this defense. What you saw was some of the regression from from Geno Smith, who still, by the way, had 4,200 yards, 30 touchdowns. Like he won comeback player of the year. I know the joke was, what did he come back from sucking? But I mean, he's 32. He just kind of mm-hmm. bounced around the league and he put up a season like that. I, I guess the, the regression at the quarterback spot and the, the worry that they still haven't fixed enough at this defense in a, in a division that essentially the numbers are saying they can't win. Like it's the biggest gap. It's the biggest favorite as, as a division favorite. A division favorite doesn't, you know, goes into the season or goes into camp not even really knowing if they have a starting quarterback yet at this point. It's hilarious, but oh, it's, it's it feels like they're just so far ahead in this bottom up rebuild, mm-hmm. and it's still so far away from actually being like a contender that I can take seriously, you know, deep into a playoff run. But man, I mean, it, that draft they had last year. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Every everybody really likes to talk about the, you know, Saints, the Lattimore. Yeah. Com- you know, that, Lattimore that was draft, yeah. such a big draft. But like, yeah, Charles Croft, Abraham Lucas, your starting tackles in the first and third round. Yeah. Both Honestly, guys are that, good. The biggest, the biggest, one of the bigger disappointments here is Boye Mafi, the DN from Minnesota. We'll see if he can take a step forward. But you got Walker the third and late. Ah, mid mid second round there. He's like we said, he was very good. If you extrapolated his numbers out, it was like a twelve hundred yard kind of rushing season. You mm-hmm. got Kobe Bryant and Tariq Woolen in the fourth and fifth round. You got uh you got Tariq Smith, who I think is still on the team too, is a, a depth piece at defensive end. Like you said, and I I think even though the wide receivers they drafted are still on the team, like essentially you just went like 10 out of 10 as far as like, Hey, these are either starters or depth pieces that are with the team still. And, you know, just, I I know maybe we'll, we'll touch on this further when we get into 2023, but man, like Witherspoon, JSN, Derek Hall as a pass rotation piece, uh, Jack Zach Charbonnet is a guy who just kind of fell into their lap. They got depth at the guard. They got depth at center. They got another rotational DT and DN. Like they, and then they went and drafted a second running back way, 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 way too late in the in the draft. And honestly, he's on the roster right now too. Like they've done it a, a second year in a row where they went and got the guys in the spots they need. They still just they still just probably didn't improve enough on defense right off the bat to like excite me to say this team can greatly overperform again. It can take another step forward. Uh, you know, so, so your I, question I, I can't is quite put my it, finger on it. I, I, it, kinda, I think it's a lot of it's Gino. I think it sounds like we're in, it sounds like we're in almost the same headspace here then. Um, it's almost Gino. And for me, at least, I guess we should just start there then. Cause you're right. His 2022 campaign came out of absolutely nowhere. Um, he started all 17 games for this team. Uh, that was his first season as a full-time starter since 2014. In between that 2014 campaign with the Jets where he was, you know, a 24-year-old on a bad team with a bad scheme, uh, he spent 15 through 2021 and only started in five games over that stretch. Now, if you're in practice, if you're the backup, if you're in camp and you're not, like, showing – you know, like if you're not showing teams like the Jets, the Giants, the Chargers, the Seahawks, 
specifically, I guess the Seahawks had Russell Wilson, so it's not shocking that they would have kept him on the bat on the bench. But like, if you're not showing flashes that you could be this guy, then that maybe that's a little bit of signal, I guess, that this might have been a fluky year. Because if you're, you know, the entire handicap around the Seahawks going forward is, was that a fluke? Was it a fluke? Was it related to schedule? Was it related to? Uh, yeah, I read was, three different articles where they tried to like, you know, try to compare it to something. And it's basically like, hey, this sort of thing doesn't happen. And now, now we've got two of these where, hey, Josh Allen sucked. And, you know, he, he's a freak athlete, but he, he's just missing wide open passes and he needs to improve five things. It's like, yeah. oh, shit, he did that? Oh, my God, he's a top three quarterback. Like, yeah. that doesn't happen. So I don't know. We're having these things where I, I don't know if um we're taking this quantum leap forward in, you know, in I don't want to say coaching, maybe development, where there's just there are there are ways to fix things that we didn't think were fixable, especially at the quarterback position. You know, it's like, hey, this is just not something we can fix 10 years ago. It's almost well, like medicine, except it's, it's uh, you know, working on mechanics. Maybe, okay. you know, maybe some of the stuff where they're able to, I'm, I'm really speculating now, you know, you, you see all yeah. this stuff in sports science where they're able to take these slow motion shots of you and, and fix mechanics, whether it's sure. pitching, hitting, throwing the ball. There's, you know, <laughs> yeah, we'll see if we can fix Zach Wilson, Matt. That's, uh, that'll be <laughs> the real, the real one to prove it, but. I don't know. It's, it is so hard to put context to it because it's sort of thing just doesn't happen at like 32. I mean, it, yeah. it, when it, when it did, it was like, Oh, this is Kurt Warner. And he just didn't get a shot before this was Gino. Who we saw playing the NFL. Kind of didn't though. You know, he kind of didn't get a shot. Um, yeah. I don't really remember his stormer. stint with the giants at all. He only played in two games, started one and he'd stunk in that game. So yeah. Uh, it's tough, and, and that's where that's where I'm wondering is is it something he had like you you really phrase that well when you described what he was doing with the Jets like maybe it's just hey you're in the you know nature versus nurture like hey <laughs> you landed in the wrong spot we talk about this with Lamar all the time you wonder where he'd be if he'd landed with honestly maybe 31 other teams it's sure. just, sometimes it's the right situation for the right player so I don't think he's gonna like keep getting better but if they can get 80 percent of like hot geno from the first half of the season it's yeah. a team that can be in this discussion yeah. obviously to make the playoffs okay so let's put a final point on this a little bit because this is really all that matters <laughs> i mean we can talk about kind the of. Things, but yeah. kind of this is it um okay so it's important to recognize that in the range of outcomes last year being a fluke is a possibility it's also important to kind of dissect last year and say there was a little bit of a tale of two halves. Better in the first half, worse in the second half. I would look at the you know the lesser uh, performance in the second half, and I would ascribe a lot of that to um, interior offensive line breakdown. It felt like when he was under interior pressure early and often, and there were some games where he had virtually no chance to really let plays develop, that it really did start to kind of come apart for him. Um, but over the first half, we, if you take the good half of the season when the Seahawks were relatively healthy, at least in the O-line, um, what he was doing felt sustainable, and that was what made the Seahawks a bet. And the reason it felt sustainable was because he was making um, very precise sideline passes in the uh, 15 to 25 yards down the field range, which meant he had like 
he had like the perfect throw to really challenge the way defenses wanted to scheme, right? He wasn't really attacking much over the deep middle. He didn't really want that pass, actually. And that is kind of the way defenses conceptually were approaching the Seahawks based on, you know, the years of Russell Wilson, right? Yeah. And so they kind of or, gave him... Or the league in general. The league in general, the, but particularly... The way they're the, using safeties yeah. now. Right. And so there was almost like a... There was almost like a, hey, the league has evolved to stop this guy. And that guy's Russell Wilson. And you're this guy, and you kind of fit right. I don't, I don't hate that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, you kind of fit right. You, you're still a little athletic. You're squirrely. You're scrambling. You're making plays out of structure. You're hitting <laughs> really precise passing 15, 20 yards down the field. And, like, you know, so I think, like, there's yes, no good. A, there's no good yeah. analog for this. I, there's, I just think <laughs> of this meme where it's a picture of an owl, mm-hmm. and it just says, like, barn owls once humans invented barns and this owl is like shit yeah yeah you know it's just like oh like this 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 fits and yes his like how they structured the offense worked well and honestly i i kind of like where we're going with this team if the biggest question mark isn't a oh my god gino was the one hit wonder the regression the second half of the season was real teams figured this out this offensive uh, coordinator really, really isn't, uh, you know, f- as forward thinking as we thought, because I think I like how they're building the roster. Yeah. You know, I, I, I do like it. And, you know, if we want to start to get into some of the offseason moves, I already mentioned the draft and yeah, they, they still had needs. I was cu- really curious. Obviously we, we did the, you know, I did the pod with uh, Vegas refund <laughs> and we had a, so yeah, it's all coming together. Dan knows what I'm talking about. Um, but uh, you know, the, they were one of the biggest mysteries in the draft, and they could have gone a bunch of ways. Yeah, I guess right. I'm I'm not mad that they went defense. I would have I would have loved to see them just trade back and do stuff. But I kind of like that they they went and got depth at the offensive line where they could use some. They said hell with it. We're just drafting more running backs. If you guys are going to let them drop beyond, you know where people thought those guys were going to go and they, you know, what, what was the biggest strength group of this entire team is probably like, Oh my God, you guys, you know, hell or high water, you still have a really good one, two at the wide receiver that, you know, they, they had a guy in JSN that had some injury issues and he wasn't sure. quite as fast as the combine. And he dropped a little and they said, fuck it. We'll take him. We'll have a third yeah. receiver. And he kind of fits in really well here. Obviously he's already been dinged up. He's, he's out there in a hard cast right now practicing. We'll see if he plays week one. I'm a little hesitant to proclaim him in for week one, but between that and just going and getting a kind of resurgent Bobby Wagner and what they did in the draft and God, I'm looking at the other, the other, uh, the other moves they made. It's kind of like let's let's keep giving weapons to Gino and let's fix what we can because this defense isn't like an overnight fix. We'll draft yeah. some young players. We'll try to we'll we'll do it. We'll do what worked. Let's draft a secondary piece. Let's coach him up. And obviously, this guy is coming a lot more highly touted than some of the secondary pieces they've coached up over the years. And then True. go get go get you know fill in where we can what we can on defense. Obviously, Draymond Jones. That's that helps with your pass rush. Uh, Bobby Wagner's a big deal. He played really well last year, kind of in a a team that got forgotten a little. And it's 
it's not going to stop the run that much better than last year, but you're you're definitely going to make some improvements, you'd think. So oh, it think is they, weird. Yeah, I think they should be the much better. It is deep. weird. And I, I, again, a lot of that depends on this. And we sit back and we look at this in the second season and be like, oh, man, Kobe Bryant didn't take a step forward. And Tariq, or we got to call him Reek. He's not Tariq anymore. It's just Reek everywhere. So mm-hmm. Woolen, you know, if those guys regress or take a you know sophomore slump second second year you know Mm. step back yeah we have issues because there's so many of them they all have to kind of at least progress a little but yeah the defense should be better just based on what they're going to put on the field and they actually have some they have some nice depth in the secondary now they almost have they almost have like too many pieces in the secondary truthfully yeah yeah um, so that's kind of why maybe I, that, that, that was like the start of being like, Oh, hmm. and it was the draft and I am not cool on JSN at all. Like yeah, he's, that, that guy was elite as he comes out a year earlier. He's top five. Um, you know, he's going above Garrett Wilson, who was your rookie of the year last year. I don't think that's controversial take at all. Um, I think the um, he couldn't come out a year earlier because of age rules, right? So he had to go back to school and he barely played. Yeah, we're running um, into more and more of that where it's like, oh man, this kid's yeah. really good. He's just not allowed to play football yet. Yeah. Um. So so I guess like I, I'm not cool on JSN. It it I just felt like okay, you're adding strength to strength, I guess, or just adding depth there. Okay, fine. Same thing with uh, Witherspoon. Like you know, give me a team like the lions taking with a spoon i'm like nice boy does that plug a friggin' hole you put him in nickelback on this team and i'm like okay it kind of feels like a little bit of draft capital that may have been a little wasted i don't know i mean yeah, it's, it's, it's the weird you know, plan thinking about cb2 they're... next to reek what's the plan seeing yeah the plan isn't super apparent but i'm just gonna trust i've learned my lesson i'm gonna trust this brain trust that's done it in the past yeah and i guess i look at that and i'm like hey you, you could take a pass rusher yes yeah, so that's, ru- that's like that's does, the does, thing man does, does the pass rusher like really make this defense that much better right off the bat like they, they it makes me help. more excited about the team if they got a really good young pass rusher and if they had gotten with with pick six if they had gotten a really good young talented pass rusher and with pick 20 or whatever they had taken like the best interior offensive lineman or something or a sweet you know a guy that could be you know play multiple positions on the line then maybe i feel a little bit differently about the draft because then i feel like man you just plug two holes with more young talent you had a great track record recently of drafting talent like now now i'm, I'm maybe like a little bit more excited that there's not an obvious weakness but the you know the the to me at least the lack of addressing the interior offensive line is concerning um and i think particularly pairing that with the fact that Gino was at his worst self when he was under interior pressure, that's a red flag. Um, And I don't expect that there's an obvious reason that Gino will hasten or regress or any of that stuff. Like he may like, you know, he might be more like, you know, if, if you shuffle the performances we saw last year and that's an average year from him, it's not just, you know, a big, a, a good half and a bad half. That may be what you see this year. Um, but I'm not, I'm not I, as I worried. They, yeah. I've I heard wish good they had fortified the interior a bit. Yeah. I've heard good things about Evan Hall. There's apparently won the center spot here over 
somebody else as they they lost the center. And then I, I don't know where you have your your numbers on Lewis, but Lewis is fine. So it, it's not like it's not like a gaping wound in the center of this offensive line. I think it can be okay. And I, I'm I'm not super sold on the hey you just you add a pass rusher to this defense. It is like you're right. I'm more excited about it because that's a that's a more fun pick, but it's not going to fix what actually was wrong with this defense. And a lot of that was just stopping run. And then honestly, I, I still don't think they fixed a lot of that. Wagner helps, but I really like, I kind of like having a good secondary. I like having depth at secondary. I like the Julian Love signing, especially obviously it matters if Jamal Adams isn't playing week one, but like that's a, that's another good signing there. He's another guy who fuck, you know what? Julian Love is a pass rusher. Sure. That guy can. That guy can get after. The he might be better than Jamal Adams. He's at this stage in his career. He might be. It's it, honestly, we might. I mean, you're not wrong there. I thought about that a little. Like, what if he comes back? And I mean, it was like a major ligament injury for Jamal yeah. Adams. What if he comes back and he's kind of lost a step? Like, Love starting is not their worst case, and he's one that can be moved around. He can play safety. He can play in the box. He can play on the line. He can pass. You know, he can pass rush, but. Quadre Diggs is good. And then obviously the, you know, Woolen, Witherspoon, Jackson, and then the depth you have there with Kobe Bryant and Burns and whatever. Like, I'm fine building a strength in one part of that and maybe seeing if some of these pass rushers, you know, we always talk about the link between pass rush and, and secondary. See if some of these pass rushers, like the, you know, Draymond Jones, who they paid and uh, who else they get. Who's the other addition? Sharon Reed. Uh, the guy. Okay, so let's just go through this since we're there. Well, and um, and I, I mentioned him already. The pass rusher, um, my uh, Bofamea from Minnesota. If he, you know, disappointed last year, obviously. Like yeah. if he can take a step forward with a strong, strong secondary. Well, yeah. You know, if we yeah, can I'll... get there with some of these guys, then you don't have to spend this on this on these pass rushers, and maybe that's the plan. I don't have it. I'm just kind of grasping at straws because I don't have the explanation for why they just keep drafting secondary pieces not only drafting it but they then they go and sign two more too i yeah i, I doesn't entirely make sense to me there so well, I'm I, that's my, my only explanation <laughs> really, is like yeah maybe they think they have enough pieces up front and if their coverage is at a certain level those guys will be able to shine yeah and so Bobby wagner helps let's go through the minuses and maybe this is part of the reason that i'm like a little cool on these guys um I had a decent grade on Austin Blythe. I had a decent grade on Gabe Jackson. You're retired. Um, Is that Blythe? Both are out of the league. Yeah. Okay. Both are, I believe they're both, unless they got signed recently, but I have them both as out. Um, so the guys they brought in, you mentioned uh, Damian Lewis. Is that right? Yeah, he's uh, signed billions. Da- Damian Lewis, I have as a. He, I have him as a good, yeah, good guard. He's a good guard. Your left side of your line is solid. You're gonna you're gonna hold up well on on uh, on Gino's blind side. I don't like Evan Brown. I don't like Phil Haynes. I, Phil Haynes to me maybe is just should be an incomplete as opposed to having a grade on him. But I he's have your, him as a problem. He's for sure the week the week of the five. Yeah, and the fact that you're center and right guard together. And then combine that with anyone that you go up against that has a decent interior pass rush, I think is enough to spook me that on those days, Gio may have a longer day. Um, similarly, like if your interior can't run block, 
and we know that you're still going to have that as a major component of your offense, uh, then you know, I'm a little nervous. Um, the other minuses are all on the defensive side of the ball. And like these may be controversial racing ratings, but uh, I had Puna Ford as a plus player. I had Shelby Harris as a plus player. I had Al Woods as a plus player. All, that's, that is some beef on your D-line that is gone. Um, your linebacking core that is gone, Cody Barton, Bruce Evans, I thought were fine letting them walk out the door. Your safeties, Jonathan Abram and Ryan Neal that are gone, were fine letting them walk out the door. And then everybody else who's gone here was kind of just, uh, you know, whatever, a whatever piece. Um, yeah, except Marquise Goodwin was okay for you. Yeah, I don't I can, exactly I know why you let – yeah, yeah, that would have been cheap to keep him – you know, bring him back. Um but yeah, a bunch of bunch of running backs and and uh, defensive players that barely saw the field. Uh, so big deal. Uh, the uh, bringing in Bobby Wagner, I'm excited about. You know, fit the fit is obviously not a question. Um, the familiarity is obviously not a question. And uh, I think he he does make a pretty solid impact in your run stop. Um, Draymond Jones is a good player, uh, but then kind of just replaces somebody you let walk jaron reed is a good player replaces somebody you just you let just walk yeah it's it's like a wash up front right it's a wash but but you're only brought in two and you let three walk out the door so you need a young guy to step up uh i think they 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 really need a second or a, a good second year from i'm sick of saying his name because i'm not ever sure if I, and he played here in minnesota i've heard it a million times boy mayfi and then, God, there was one other younger player, uh, Mike Morris. I think that was a draft pick this year. They have some, they have some depth up front that they drafted, but I mean, they're mid-round guys, so it's like you can't just say, "Hey, this is going to work out." These guys are fourth, fifth, sixth-round picks. Yeah, yeah. Um, so your depth, your depth is questionable up front for sure. And you know why you didn't need to really use depth on Devin Bush? That was kind of a waste um maybe that's a low that's a low cost swing but he's redundant uh, and you could have used that on some some more big some more beef um yeah so there's like there's a little bit of team building questions swirling for me um and combine that with uh you know just less of a certainty that gino is the same guy we saw for weeks one through eight or nine like when did it really go downhill for Gino? what was the what was the week i guess this is the tampa bay game um, yeah the 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 game in germany that was you know i i think we both kind of liked the the spot for him there and they really looked kind of bad they no showed in the first half especially and no, that no showed fine. in munich yeah. or frankfurt i'm not even sure where they were yeah the beauty of uh backing the cardinals was week six through nine they were just i mean backing the seahawks they were an amazing cover week six through nine uh probably should have covered week five amazing cover week four um yeah i mean yeah he faded down the stretch and the question is why and i, I have not heard a uh a theory that i find to be compelling enough to say that there's more no, than read, about a, more than about a 30% chance that he is bottom half of the league quarterback this year over the balance of the season, more, more or less than 30. That's fair. Okay. Just what we saw in the second half of the season where there were some issues, it, it was real spotty. It got to, it turned into, it wasn't like, Oh, he was bad. The second half of the season, it was spotty. It's okay. kind of where I'm at. And if, so, we get, if we get spotty and this defense, you know, the the way they're building this defense 
still gives them like the 25th best defense and they can't stop the run and teams with leads are not letting them get the ball back. And Gino's spotty at begin with it's yeah. That's so what is his distribution? What does his distribution look like then? 30% that he's 20 or 20 to 32, 50% that he is 12 to 20. Yeah. And then 20% that he's a top 12 like 60 percent in the middle 60 percent in the middle okay yeah. i think maybe that yeah that's like kind of maybe where it is like yeah it's like uh there's and it's weird because there's plenty of other quarterbacks andy who we saw one year of flash last year trevor lawrence we've seen one year of good play from trevor lawrence i am fine buying into him taking yeah, another step forward it- we've seen one year of good play from Gino if you Smith, didn't know how I'm old like, he was and you'd never yeah, seen like, him before. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. I'm pretty I'm pretty comfortable saying Geno Smith is almost surely gonna fall in the middle. Yeah, there's there's a weird dynamic, and I, I think if if we do see him play as well or better than last year, it's really gonna prove out the theory that you put out of like he just never got put in a position to succeed over the first whatever, you know, eight, nine years of his career. So, mm-hmm. but I mean, still 4,200 yards, 30 touchdowns. It's hard to sneeze at. So, yeah. Okay. So um, I have to your, give them a, grade. I have to give them a C minus mostly because I don't really get the team building. Um, I, I, I don't, don't, I don't see the puzzle that they're building. I can't see it. And I can, I don't think problem. you can ever have enough wide receivers and corners beef. Okay. And I give them a B okay. for Bobby Wagner. Okay. Okay. Um, do you think they should have moved on from Geno Smith? They were they were in a real I remember that. We didn't really talk about that in the offseason. There was like uh hey, are we gonna get this guy a contract now? Because he wasn't sitting on a you're a year removed from thinking he was QB two behind Drew Locke as an organization. Yeah, they were they were put in kind of a weird spot with that. And I'm given what was available and what they you know they had the draft capital to go make a, a big move. But, uh, man, I was fine with it. It's the same as the Daniel Jones thing. Like, I'm fine with it. Like, just just pay this guy. You you have him. He knows your system. You can still try to keep making this guy better. Obviously, Daniel Jones probably has more upside based on his age. But, like, I'm always fine with paying, paying the guy instead of trying to start all over again. Okay. Especially yep. kind of where they're at in their cycle. So I'm, yeah, I'm okay it's, with it. This is a low risk move, I felt like. Um, the yeah. risk maybe was you didn't take your draft capital and swing on one of the top quarterbacks in this year's draft, maybe. You could have uh you could have really kind of built for the future, and now you're just maybe gonna put yourself in purgatory where addressing the quarterback position is not an easy answer. If this doesn't work out, if he hits that 30% where he's a 20 or 30, 20 to 32 range this year, you're kind of, I mean, I guess maybe you've lost enough that you have your own pick that you could potentially draft with your first choice this year, I guess. Are you saying they should have moved up for one of the three? I, or just, yeah, I mean, I just had a better, a better plan, a better plan. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, yeah. Aiden O'Connell. Why not Aiden, you know, get Aiden O'Connell in the building? Oh, um, don't don't even start bringing up AOC. He's a it's a it's a fan favorite in the in the Discord. Um, yeah, I like uh, I like AOC. Um, all right, uh, all right, real quick, I have a sponsor yeah. today, and then we'll take a look at the schedule. Oh, we today's have a sponsor podcast. today. Yes, 
a brand you may have heard of. Well, uh, today's podcast is brought to you by Ticketmaster. More memories mm. are made when you're there for live NFL action. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. The interactive seat map mm-hmm. gives you 360-degree previews of yeah. your section to make sure you have the best view of these pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team colors, which would not work for me. I do not have a team. Mm. Uh, find your tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash NFL. Yes, it's a little. It's a real I'm, uh, I'm, I'm team Ticketmaster, Andy. Um, they came through for me bigly yesterday at the U.S. Open. They got me really well. I mean, I was set up well with uh, tickets for Arthur Ashe, best view. I, I knew exactly the what the view I was going to have. Cal making fun of me, but like I went wide angle to give you an idea of how stung. many people were you there, and I got stung. Um, that was like that was literally the perfect place to be watching that match because you got to see Alcaraz move. Uh, in that dimension, which was incredible. Yes, sir. Um, uh, but uh, but yeah, Ticketmaster came through for me. Our good friend, who was also there, who was trying to buy tickets through a unnamed secondary market, got screwed. Ticketmaster not only had the best price for me, but uh, just incredible, uh, incredible seats and seamless experience. Experience, like literally, it was like one click into the into the apple wallet and then, I remember uh, the first time i, yeah. I bought tickets bang, i don't know bang, what it bang. was but the first time i had tickets on like my phone i'm like oh like we're uh yeah. we're moving on we're, they came through for up. me i mean I, like honestly i'm a convert like there there's no reason to try to scramble for secondary market otherwise honestly it's because the, the other ones they all kind of have like weird weird uh weird issues weird hang-ups and if you're in a crunch if you're at the u.s open and you want you want tickets for ash Right. Fire away. Get me undies. Yeah. Let's uh moving from tennis back to football. Let's take a look at who they play this year. Um, lots of discussion about this week one game already in the Discord. I know some people that are very much in line with uh all the unknowns that we laid out, and I think Sam is mm. she's just laying it with the laying the the money line money line on the Rams saying, mm. Hey, there's a lot of unknowns. Might as well take the, uh, the unknowns with the bigger price, but look at those bright colors. They have a really nasty one. The second game with the Rams where I'm guessing the Rams are coming off their buy and look at all that green though. The significant travel advantage. Um, yeah. Almost every game is, is, a, is an advantage or disadvantage on <laughs> travel. So- yeah, crazy. That's what I, you end up on a coast, but they do end up playing a bunch of teams off back to back, back to back road games. I mean, this happens to all these these West Coast teams here and there, where it's like, hey, you're catching this team off a of back to back, and they have to fly out to the West Coast, like two straight road games. One of them's a nasty travel spot. Obviously, Philly. That's a long way from basically the coast. Uh, even just like Pittsburgh having to come to town, that's a decent travel spot. Washington, Cleveland, all these Eastern time zone teams having to come out to Seattle. You do have a nice little home field advantage out here compared to average in the league. And yeah, the the other the only part about, you know, we're talking about all these advantage spots. Obviously, there's the travel disadvantage spots of 
going to Baltimore on the East Coast, going at Tennessee, playing an early game in a spot like that, and then just the nastiness that is the middle here. This is a rainbow. It starts low at both ends and jacks itself up in the middle because there's a just Niners, Dallas, Niners, Philly. What? I, get, <laughs> I mean, even just like Cle- from from Cleveland to Philly. So Cleveland, Baltimore. I mean, maybe Washington has their shit figured out by then. And yes, the Rams might not be very good, but San Francisco, Dallas, San Francisco, Philly. That is a brutal stretch. I guess you're really going to find out if, uh, yeah. if this team has shit figured out. So, Andy, um, uh, this schedule screams 500 to me. And I know there's 17 games, so you can't really go 500. But uh, the team has done it, though. I feel like you can find you're gonna they're gonna find a way to go eight, eight and one. I feel like they're gonna um, pick the tie. I want you to pick the tie just because that's such a dumb question. I'm gonna have it hosting Philadelphia week 15. I don't hate that. I think that's a pretty evenly matched game, actually. Philadelphia, you know, they're they're at the tail end of just a heinous stretch (laughs) heading into that Seattle game. That is an awful spot to tie. Giants love to tie. Uh, I um, I I mean, I'll be a frank, perfectly frank. There's there are very rare instances where I will look at the situational stuff with rest and travel and X factors. And just that's enough for me to kind of decide one way or the other. But this is like almost perfect buy, sell, buy, sell, sell, buy, buy, sell, buy, sell. Like it's almost perfect setup of if you just stick to situations here, you're going to probably catch value betting the Seahawks on or against almost so every or treat every this week like this Pacers, year. Blazers, best of seven. This, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I picked those two teams. They have to be in the either. finals. They would such have an to be final. in the finals. No, this is more like um, I'm trying to think of what the best zigzag series was in that and NBA playoffs last year. I think it was. Probably, yeah, I, just, I just named two teams. Like I, the um, best, the I, the best zigzag was probably like Boston Philly. Maybe I don't remember. Yeah, and I, and I know um, it's all it's all relative to the market, but boy, there's a there's a decent chance that the market doesn't adjust enough off some of these easy stretches slash yeah. hard stretches. Like there's a decent chance to kind of catch them in a, a few different spots here. Oh, I, I think you're right. I think it's a really, it's a really nice team where the market is maybe slow or too fast in a bunch of spots based on the, the advantages, the disadvantages and the teams they play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So just like if you, you look really good against Arizona because they don't have a quarterback or, you know, it's Clayton tune throwing to James Conner 14 times. And then you go up against, uh, you know, a Cleveland team with a really good offensive line that you know, has a wide receiver one and obviously a, a pass rush that doesn't matter. doesn't matter how good your center is. doesn't matter if you have two young, good tackles, like a pass rush is going to get after you. So there's some, there's some weird back to backs in the schedule. It's a goofy schedule all in all. Honestly, like week one to week 11, this team is winning, covering, losing, not covering, winning, covering, losing, not covering, losing, winning, winning, losing, winning, winning, losing. And so they're going to be right at 500 when they go into that Thursday, Thursday, double, double up. The first Thursday, by the way, is 
Thanksgiving. 1123 this year is Thanksgiving. Make plans to go see your folks. Um, the Seattle Seahawks, I do not believe, will be one and a half within a field goal of the Niners at that point, but maybe they will. Um, that stretch is heinous. San Francisco, Dallas, San Francisco, Philly. I, I would be surprised if they get more than one win in that stretch, which means a 500 team that loses four in a row, people are pretty much going to write them off for the playoffs, but then the the finish with the Tennessee game and an Arizona game in there, they could conceivably squeeze out uh, the seventh seed in the wild card spot again this year. So I think, you know. Yeah, the, the only advantage, I mean, for this team late in the season is a couple of nice, even though they're road games, a couple of road games against some teams that might be eliminated. You yeah. still got to get it done against Pittsburgh, and they're in a bad travel spot, obviously. But you could, you might need to go three and zero. And it's funny too the uh, the most fun game from last year, the track meet with Detroit, like that oh, ended up being be really good. that ended up being the the game that decided who goes to the playoffs. They both finished with the same record. The head to head went to Seattle in a forty eight forty five game with like twelve touchdowns. So yeah. Um, you know, the, I think um, it, it, might, it might be another situation like that where Seattle is in the mix, but the last three games kind of decide if they are the seven seed or sitting at home. So, yeah. And I think honestly, eight, eight and one is where <laughs> I'm, just, I'm stuck here. Um, that feels like could be enough to get a seven seed in the shitty NFC. Um, but even more than that, like, are, do, are they alive to win the NFC West is the key question. Because success for this team this year should be, uh, you know, win your division. And I think they match up very poorly against San Francisco for a lot of reasons. (laughs) I struggle to see how they hang in either of those two games and the fact that they're clustered with Dallas and Philly and all that, like that looks like trouble. Purdy Purdy would have to be so bad so so like like giving games away bad like oh my god he's a liability and we should start McCaffrey at wildcat for like for that team to you know we'll get to that team but like it it just really does seem like there's a, a gap that exists with the you know the levels of the rosters and yes injuries can happen but it's it's tough to put together like non cluster injury situations where not only could they, cause I, I feel like part of winning the division is probably at least winning one against the Niners. And you're right. Just the matchups are so bad. We'll get into the Niners heavier when we get to the next spot, but like the, their defense is kind of a, I don't know. They, they've, they've struggled a little with some of the deep stuff that Seattle always seems to get like a, a deep ball on them, but you know, they, they've, they've addressed a few things there too. Yeah, last year uh, in three games against the San Francisco 49ers, the um, Seahawks were 0-3 against the spread. And uh, it'll shock you not at all to know they were dogs in 0-3. All three. So not only could they not win those games, they could not stay within the point spread in any of those games. Um, Betting odds? Yeah, not, a, not an easy schedule, really. And I think that's what kind of throws the final – that's kind of the final ingredient, sprinkle a little – pessimism it's like, on this team it's it's middle of the pack because there are some very winnable games but that stretch is so nasty through the middle uh 35 to 1 to win the mm. super bowl is not very interesting to me no no i i don't think realistically because because in my opinion 
you're such an outsider for your own division, that means you're talking about going on the road, on the road, on the road. And even again in a week, week, week NFC, I don't think you're, you know, you're not winning road games, in my opinion, against the top of this conference. Oh, you may not win road games against the likes of the, the Lions. If you want, yeah, if you want to make the Super Bowl, the odds of you needing to probably win five road games in six weeks is pretty high. Yes. Yeah. The end of the season into the playoffs. And then they, they don't, you know, I know it's road games against the Cardinals and Titans. They get precipitously harder after that when you make it into the playoffs. Yep. Easy to put a line through them for outrights here, in my opinion. Make the playoffs. Yes, minus 122 is starting to look a little sketchy to me. Not interested in a no plus 100, but I think the right plan, Andy, is going to be if they luck box their way to a couple of wins that should be losses in the first 11 weeks of the season and they are sitting healthily above 500, this is like a bombs away fade team, I think, in terms of make the playoffs market. Because if you're getting like a biggish price on no there, if it's three to one ish, you know, if the, if the Seahawks are seven and four or, you know, eight and three, even I would, you know, you might see a big number. And, the, and there's a, you know, there's an opposite way to approach that too. If there's another NFC team that has a softer ending to their schedule that you like to pass them, that maybe that number is a little bigger. Maybe there's a couple teams you like. Um, you know, you can go both ways with that as well, but I agree with you there. Yeah. Although like, I do think make the playoffs, that number gets longer over the first few, uh, or shorter, excuse me, over the first few weeks, cause they probably do start the season some wins. success. Yeah. So I, I'm not making it like an advocate of taking that and taking the other side in a few weeks, but it's just uh yeah and james and patrick are are pointing pointing out some good things this was a team that did take some early money and i again like i got that 100 percent in march and april when you were looking at how bad the roster of the rams was shaping up and that the cardinals were not were going to try to lose and that the niners had a absolute mystery box at quarterback um this was the easy team to take some swings on easy call like yeah they're big numbers big numbers awesome draft capital bunch of young players retain the quarterback like yeah let's take the big sticks take the big numbers now at these prices very very cold cold on them market has gone past what would it be fair i think in a lot of respects and this is now a team that i'm excited to sell at the right price dream outcome for me to start the season andy is and it's sorry to Sam, who I know is like the Rams week one. Dream outcome for me is the uh, the Seahawks just absolutely throttle the Rams defense and score thirty something points, and then um, the Lions get you know taken to the cleaners as the uh, sacrificial lambs against the Chiefs, and then that week two game opens up with like a pickemish price. Because uh, I'm gonna probably be betting Lions Week Two at almost any price. Um, Charles asks any award potential. Uh, J- JSN is like twenty to one to win, and very cool on that rookie of the year. It's it's gonna be tough to get the kind of numbers as the third guy as the slot guy with those two receivers and with their you know, how much they're going to want to run the ball. I don't know that he can get the numbers. 
Uh, I, he can. There's a there's a universe where he gets a thousand yard season with eight touchdowns, but he's also gonna probably miss some time. Like that number isn't gonna get shorter. He was at practice wearing a hard cast on his hand. That's what he uses to catch the ball. Like, oh, really? I'm not. Yeah, I, oh. I mean, he broke some weird little bone in his hand or wrist or something. So, I think if that number is like fifty or sixty in a few weeks because he misses a couple weeks, like. He he has the opportunity to to do well in this offense. I don't think they have a viable candidate for defensive player of the year. It's uh mm-hmm. we discussed that a little in the Discord. It's that's one of those weird awards where it's like, hey, you're really good at defense. Do it like one more year and then we'll give you that award the yeah. year after that. It's all it's <laughs> that's that 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 award is so phenomenally top heavy this year. Or don't yeah. lock yourself into like 12 interceptions then yeah. hey guess what you're also in the discussion because wow that's crazy that's a lot of interceptions <laughs> but uh yeah offensive rookie of the year maybe at a bigger number for jsn um maybe at a big number for charbonnet if uh if things hash out if that that numbers those numbers just aren't any good right now and then you know mvp would be a, a really tough ask for mm-hmm. gino that's mm-hmm. basically your only candidates and that's rough yeah, the hard, hard pass on any hard uh, pass on awards for the most part. Uh, but yeah, my range range of outcomes is five to five to nine. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I think they're gonna finish somewhere between seven wins and nine wins. Yeah, the the five is the hey Gino isn't good and that's a problem kind of thing. But yeah, seven eight nine is. I will be. I, I will sincerely be surprised if they win fewer than seven. There's a lot of really good spots on their schedule. Um, and there's four games against the Rams and the Cardinals. I don't know if you count those, but, you know, I think those will be four wins. Um, yeah, they're going to get to seven. The question is, can they get more than nine? And I don't necessarily see a, a path. I don't, it's, it's, it's going to take another step forward for Gino. I don't even think, I don't even think if Gino replicates his numbers from last year in a 17 game season, I don't think it's going to be enough considering some of the tough games. If Mike Tomlin can win coach of the year, why not Pete? I didn't think of that because I made a case for Pete last year and he was not in the conversation. He's another yeah. weird one where it's like he's just part of the furniture. He just exists in the NFL infrastructure. They made the the, the thing is he's gotta win the West. Huge, yeah, he has to win the division. Um they'd have to take, also, it, it, not only yeah. that, but they won a bunch of games and made the playoffs last year. They probably have to win like 13 and win the West, and he would have to get a lot of credit for, like, all the rookies playing well, I guess. What, what's the biggest thing to get Pete credit? It's like, oh, my God, the draft they had the last two years. It's like they have, like, six pro bowlers who are in their first and second year. Like, Pete really yeah. orchestrated this he, second the second wave of Seattle. For oh him, my God, too, the yeah. Legion of, the Legion of, the Legion of Boom is back. back. That's that You just said it. Yeah, that's it. That's be. the that's the only narrative that gets him in the discussion. And realistically, as the second choice in a bad division already, he's got a real narrow path. Yeah, maybe fourteen you know? wins. Like the narrative for Tom. Yeah, the narrative for Tomlin, and he's he's the fourth choice in a uh, very very good division. Yeah, the, and, the uh, words the yeah. words better than Sherman have to be uttered on like first take. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know. It, it's tough. It's it's, it's a tough path. So it's gonna be uh, tough. betting. I think you kind of laid out a nice betting plan already, but just uh, really monitoring market sentiment and taking advantage of these yeah. back and forth ping pong spots. I actually I need to start like set up a couple of alerts for Seahawks news because I feel like I'm going to be betting these guys every every single week. I, got, I just forget also, to turn Google alerts off, and I have you, some on from the fucking yeah. track meets in Budapest. Because <laughs> <laughs> I never great meet. Oh, it was good. It was, it was really meat. good. Hey, um, what um, give me your sincere take on week one because I appreciate uh, you know I appreciate Sam's point of view on this, obviously, and there's other sharp people that are playing Rams. I don't think this is entirely a JSN is unavailable fade. There is just general belief that the Rams are going to be competitive in this game, and I'm struggling to figure out if there's, how if there's or why. any spot where the Rams are competitive, obviously it's early on. Cup okay. is a legitimate, you know, offensive player of the year, two thousand yard kind of guy if they use him in the same way and he's healthy all year. Like you have at least one really good player on offense. Um, and you have a smart coach. And I, I get it. So Sam is, I don't think Sam was very interested in taking the spread, basically. And he can explain it. He's sitting in the chat too. He said, like, there's a lot of unknowns on both these teams. And, you know, we're all surprised by teams every year. And if, you, if you're saying these teams are that far apart, just give me the money line on this one. Yeah. Dan, the underdog conference this year is probably the afc north that's the one where the margins are so narrow if you're getting points in that conference you probably just take them <laughs> hey, did, he not, did take the points i'm not too. betting the browns week one, i'm not betting the browns week one because we're going to get joe burrow's good to go news soon we did today i mean he, he oh yeah like yeah he looks good he looks fine okay all right so we regret to inform you he is perfectly operational okay um so there's a lot of questions i have about this rams defense it's, it's just it's so 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 soft i feel like the the seahawks might just be able to run i don't want to overreact to the preseason andy this team was giving up 40 points to nobody's what the hell is going so, on yeah, they if, you, if you think might be all time fucking terrible the rams um so we we can tell you one thing the depth pieces on the rams defense are very bad they are very bad it's hard to give up 40 points in the preseason nobody i mean people did that wasn't even starters man they gave up 31 31 and 41 didn't they wasn't that it it was uh it was not good, and I know every team treats the the preseason differently. But yeah, let me let me pull up my Rams. I mean, notes. it was you know what it was against the mighty Denver Broncos. So <laughs> they went one and ten, one for ten on third down in that game. Yeah. Meanwhile, um, the Broncos. You know how many Broncos third first downs there were? Thirty three. My uh, how is that my notes, possible? My on my notes on and nobody played starters because they did joint practice for a couple days, but my notes were Rams for <laughs> one for 10 on third down looked ready to finish just ahead of Arizona. Stetson Bennett got three drives. Rippon got four and something called dresser win cleaned up. <laughs> dresser win. That's the offense, man. This defense conceded 500 yards. Yeah. Two backups. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, it was and the the converse notes on the other side of the game was the same joint practice, but Stidham first half, Ben DiNucci second half. I don't, he's not even on the team anymore. Rams backup defense is very bad. Yeah, uh, Marvin Mims got some action. <laughs> okay. No, the this this Rams defense. I mean, it's we'll see. I'm out on. I'm at. The, I'm at the point where I got to put my money where my mouth is on this, and I'm just gonna have to. I'm just gonna have to lay it with the Seahawks. I think. All right. We got a first. We got next Wednesday. Save it for Wednesday or yeah. bet it now. I don't care. Yeah. All right. Should we call it? Yep. One thirty-one down. Baskin Robbins. Lego. <laughs>